Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. And again, I have to say, one of the greatest passages in all of history and one of the best known passages and best loved passages in all the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. If you have that not marked in your Bible, mark it, underline it, uh, um, learn it, memorize it, because it's such a beautiful passage. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm so thankful for our our youth ministry and our youth band. I know I probably have shared with you that when we go to the Philippines, throughout different provinces, different islands and different churches, one thing uh, is very similar pretty much everywhere we go. That is, in, in church after church, generally the culture in the Philippines is that it is the responsibility and opportunity of the youth to lead in music. And so they don't just have Youth Sunday. Every Sunday is the Youth Sunday for the music. And it's just what the youth do in the churches. They lead in music. And so for many, many years, I came back to our church and, and our, we can't get a youth on the stage. <laughs> so I'm so happy that in recent months and years, that our youth have stepped up for the youth band and that they are here leading in worship on every fifth Sunday. And uh, I, I, I know that God is praised from that, but also for those youth in the months, years, and decades to come, God only knows how he's going to use that ability now and grow it to something even more powerful and more beautiful. God has a plan, amen? Having said that, that brings us to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Would you stand with me as we read God's word together? These are the words of Jeremiah, or, or excuse me, they're the words of God through the prophet Jeremiah 2,600 years ago. And for you and I here in the 21st century, they are God's words for us. God says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the beauty and the depth of these words. May they be the very theme of our life and of this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today it's time for our annual State of the Church Address, and I'm excited to share with you the congregation of First Baptist Church, both in person and online. If you're joining with us online this morning, thank you for joining with us. And to the staff, the deacon body, the small group teachers, and all the leadership of First Baptist Church, along with the visitors that are attending with us this morning, I want you to know we have so much to be thankful for in 2021. Now, don't listen to the news or online. Listen to me. We have so much to be thankful for in 2021. We have been blessed by God as a congregation in more ways than you know. As I sat down to begin to count the ways God has blessed us in the last year, I was surprised. In fact, I was stunned at how God has actually blessed us. 
As for my wife and I, I, I have been given the opportunity to serve here at First Baptist Church for almost 23 years now as your pastor. I can't thank you enough for your support and your partnership in the ministry to which God has called us. You have embraced our efforts and have been patient with me when needed, and it often was, and have loved my family and supported them always. So, thank you. My wife, Cherry, has been my greatest strength and help. When I contracted COVID, she nursed me back to health. In spite of my being a terrible patient, uh, she, uh, she was there for me. Honestly, today's State of the Church address is different than any other I've ever preached. Because 2020 was a different year. You don't need me to tell you that. It's true. There is so much that we could not do as a church. There were many events that we, like everyone else, had to cancel. That word cancel seemed to be a popular term last year. I'm not happy about it. And uh, uh, hopefully, prayerfully, it's going to continue to change. The staff will tell you that I don't like canceling things. But we did. Our marriage conference canceled. I had big plans for revival. I remember last year at this time announcing to you we were going to have a revival in the fall it was canceled. Our live worship services were canceled for two months and recently for a few more weeks because of COVID. Bible studies, fellowships, all of our mission trips, the Living Last Supper, Journey to Bethlehem, our church's trip to Israel, and the list goes on and on, all canceled. Well, that's depressing. Even more fun, nearly the entire staff came down with COVID. <laughs> Along with our families, we counted 24 in all who became ill. Financially, we, the church staff and leadership, braced ourselves early in the year for the possibility that we would not be able to pay our bills. We didn't know how many would lose their jobs or how many would be able to tithe or willing to give online when we stopped having in-person services. It was simply unprecedented, and we did not know what was going to happen. Throughout the year, the staff and I tried to mitigate the pandemic in the midst of ministry. Having services go strictly online, what ministries and trips to cancel and what to keep, whether to require masks or have no masks, move to multiple services or stay in one. Have a mask-only service or a mask-only section. We didn't want to cancel things, but we didn't want anyone dying from an infection they might have gotten here either. As I've confessed to you before, no one trained us for this. Seminary never mentioned the word pandemic, and 2020 was uncharted territory for all of us. In fact, there was a kind of mindset throughout the world, and even in our churches, uh, to just let, just, just get through the year. That, that is, just write off 2020 in hopes that 2021 will be better. And I've told you before what I think of that attitude. Yes, it was a difficult year, but quietly, listen to me, but, and it's the big word, but quietly, behind the scenes, God was working and God had a plan. Listen to me today. God, and, and I've noticed this throughout the Bible, I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, but also throughout 2,000 years of church history, God specializes in strange years. God specializes in strange times. And so for God, 
2020 was perfect territory for him to begin to move. First, I have to say this, among the 24 staff and family members that became ill, no one passed away. I'm really thankful for that because I'm one of the oldest ones that got it. And we have all made a full recovery, I'm happy to say, and I give God thanks for that. Second, while we weren't able to do Journey to Bethlehem, Lisa Clark came to me with this interesting ideal she called the life of Christ, a safe, socially distanced way of sharing the gospel of Christ at Christmas. You as a congregation came on board and you embraced the idea and God blessed it. The life of Christ ended up being one of the most innovative evangelistic events we have ever had at First Baptist Church. Third, I can't really explain this beyond God's goodness and your faithfulness to the church. We had braced ourselves financially for the worst, but in the end, financially, we had the best year we've ever had in our history. And we're not financially rich. Uh, or anything. We're spiritually rich in the Lord, but we're not financially rich. But we never missed a payment, never paid a bill late, and I and the staff have never missed a meal. Amen. I thank God and I thank you for your faithfulness. In light of the pandemic, we were able to add a worship service and start back our Sunday school classes as small groups, some meeting here at the church and some meeting in homes. We went to the annual men's fish fry with our men and had multiple first step luncheons uh, for our guests. And we continue to support the Eagle Mountain Pregnancy Help Center to help young mothers and to save the lives of preborn children. In 2020, Robin Johnson, our children's minister, <clears throat> found an innovative way to have vacation Bible school, which most churches canceled. But she found a way to, to make it a take-home uh, kit that she made, uh, coupled with an online guide with skits and videos and lessons. And I'm happy to say, well done, Robin, and everybody who worked on vacation Bible school. It was a good VBS. Uh, yeah, go ahead and clap. I didn't do it, but I take full credit. I'm happy to do that. No, they worked very hard. Chris and, and, and the team, he could tell you all the people that, that worked on it, on the videos to make the videos, to make the kit possible. And again, nobody taught us that. We didn't know how to do that. Uh, they just taught themselves how to do a take-home vacation Bible school. Robin also started up our Awana program again, and the kids are doing great. They started that in September. Our youth pastor, Michael, restarted our youth programs, and it continues to go and grow, and somehow they haven't all gotten sick. Um, bless their hearts. The pandemic also did not stop us from celebrating Thanksgiving together. We had a great Thanksgiving banquet. Now, it's true, I had this big vision that we were going to have it outside under the trees, just like the pilgrims did. But we, we, because of the forecast, we learned we were going to freeze, probably like the pilgrims did. So we ended up moving into here, but we had tremendous turnout. We also had a huge turnout at our Christmas candlelight service. By the grace of God, 2020 was actually a very productive year for us. <clears throat> and I mean by the grace of God. All the news was bad, but what God was doing was really good. That didn't make the news. never does. Another wonderful thing happened in 2020. <clears throat> a new ministry blossomed here at First Baptist Church that is needed here. 
and might not have happened otherwise were it not for 2020. I'm speaking of our live streaming and video ministry. Just a couple of years ago, when we began live streaming, which was just, just a couple of years ago, we propped up, and I know I've told you this, we propped up an old iPhone back in the media booth and began doing it that way. And the video was terrible and the audio was even worse. And uh, so the quality of sound and video has changed a lot. Necessity is the mother invention, as they say, and thanks to a very generous donation, we were able to buy four high-resolution cameras, mixers, and live streaming equipment to, to dramatically improve our streaming. I don't even know what a lot of that stuff does back there. But if you ever watch us online, and for those that are watching online right now, they'll tell you, you know, for online picture, it's a good picture. And not only do we enjoy that, now we will continue to enjoy that for years and even decades to come. And so I'm so thankful for that. Our associate pastor, Chris, worked hard to recruit. Now, he got all that equipment, set it all up. I, again, I don't even know. Um, and, and not only did that, he, he worked to recruit a team of camera and streaming operators. We now have a camera streaming team. I don't know if the, the media team uh, that do that. We have camera operators working right now throughout our sanctuary and our various cameras. As a result, we not only have members who can watch safely at home, but we have people to, who watch our services online who have never stepped foot on our property. In fact, they sometimes post comments in our comments that they're watching from this state or from that state. Uh, but not only do they not live in our state, some of them, some of them don't even live in our country. Our services are available all over the world in hundreds of countries. So sometimes it has to be that way. I remember the old story about a rich oil tycoon. He was a little bit eccentric. So he had a big party. Uh, he, again, he had more money than he knew what to do with. So he had a huge party. And before the guests arrived, he had his pool. He had a great big pool on the backyard. He had it filled with poisonous snakes all the way up to the brim. Then he brought all of his guests out, and they all surrounded the pool and saw all these deadly snakes. And the old tycoon said to them, I said, I tell you what, if somebody will swim across this pool, I will uh, give you a thousand acres of my oil fields. Or I will give you 200,000 uh, uh, 200, head of cattle. Or I will give you my daughter's hand in marriage. And as soon as he said, I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage, a young man immediately jumped right in the pool, swam right across to everybody's shock and to the tycoon's shock, jumped out the other side, not a scab on him or not a scar on him or a bite mark on him. He was unscathed. And so everybody's applauding. Everybody's happy. The young man's happy. And so the old tycoon went over there. He was shocked because he was kind of bluffing. He didn't think anybody would do it. And he said, okay. Uh, what it'll be, do you, do you want the, the thousands of acres of oil fields? Do you want the 200? And the guy said, uh, the young man said, no, sir. And he said, well, do you, do you want my 200,000 head of cattle? He said, nope. <laughs> and the old, old tycoon said, okay, okay. You want my daughter's hand in marriage. And the young man said, nope, I don't want that either. And shocked, the tycoon said, well, then what do you want? He said, I want to know the name of the guy who pushed me in the pool. <laughs> That's an old joke. 
But it has a good point. Sometimes we need a little push. And God, I think, used 2020 to gently push us forward as a church. Give us the push we needed. Now, this year in 2021, it's also going to be a bit different, but that's okay. God has plans for us. We'll continue to restart our ministries and our mission work as the vaccine becomes more available and the pandemic slowly diminishes throughout the year. We don't have a timetable. We can't tell you exactly when everything's going to happen and how it's going to happen and when it's safe to travel, when it's safe to fly. We're going to be flexible. But whatever it is, I know God's in charge and he has plans for this year. This year, we will have our marriage conference. And in September, we will have revival. Our town needs revival. Amen? Our nation needs revival, and this world needs revival. I hope the world shows up, because we're going to have revival. Also this year, our associate pastor, Chris, is going to start preaching once a month, every month. Uh, yeah. And uh, there you go. That should make Chris happy. The, the first service didn't applaud at all. So... <laughs> Also, our worship leader, Roxanne, tells us that we will periodically start having music night on Sunday evenings with nothing but music. Ah, amen. Now, last year, we began two services for the purpose of social distancing. This year, we're going to continue in two services for the purpose of filling up God's house. So you see there are empty chairs here. No, go ahead and, go ahead and clap for that. Absolutely. By God's grace, Azel is growing at a faster rate than I've ever seen it in 23 years. You don't have to drive around very long before you see new housing projects coming up north of town, south of town, and in town. Uh, uh, people are just moving here, and those people need to have a place to worship. So what excuse do we have? I know I've said this before, I'll say it again. God has blessed us with a beautiful church building a wonderful congregation, a stable and, and complete church staff. He's even given us a good budget. We have, no, we have the best location in town, and we're in a growing community. We have no, how could we possibly mess this up? <laughs> we have no excuse. If we are doing what God wants us to do, I'm telling you, not only can we grow, I think it's entirely conceivable that we, or God, can be packing out this place in a year, by the end of this year. Azel's going that quickly. So here's the key to all of that. We'll advertise. We have a good advertising budget, but that's not what really works best. We'll put things on the sign. That's great, but that's not re what really works best. What works best statistically is you and I working together, we, the membership of First Baptist Church, when we meet somebody new, say, hey, do you have a church home? And you will be meeting people new. You, you probably meet them every week at restaurants or Walmart or wherever you go. When you meet, and maybe you're new, you have new neighbors, invite them to come to church. You don't have to give them a five-point sermon. Just say, hey, do you have a church home? I'd love to invite you to my church. It's amazing what God will do with that one little word. It will not return void. So when you see a neighbor... See someone anew, invite them to church. Which brings me to our passage for today. 
I believe that God is beautifully describing his plans for you and me and for First Baptist Church through the prophet Isaiah. Uh, excuse me, Jeremiah. Isaiah was last week. When he says this in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now let me stop right there. <laughs> this is, again, the understatement of the Bible. For I know the plans. Now, so you, you remember that God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, and he's transcendent. He can go back and forth in time. He's not bound by linear time like you and I. And so here's this omnipotent, omniscient, uh, um, uh, omnipresent, trans, not transparent, transcendent, Deity saying to you and I, saying to the people of, of Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. Now, I think God says that because they didn't know the plans. It was a terrible time in the history of, of, of Israel. And it was a terrible time because the people were terrible. And in the midst of all of that judgment and all of those problems, uh, God says, I've got a plan. Now, their plan was just like our pandemic plan in our world. Just get through the year. Just get through. Maybe your whole life has been that way. You're just trying to wake up every morning, get through the day. And a day turns into a month, into a year. And for the last decade, you wake up every day and think, if I can just get through, if I can just. God didn't want that for you. God says, I've got plans for you. And he tells that to them and to you and I. Similar problems, similar challenges and yet God says, I have plans for, I know the plans I have. You don't know, but I know, God says. And here, here's a little hint about the plans that he says. He doesn't give them the detailed plans, but he gives them the heart of the plan. Listen to what he says. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and the future. Now, let me tell you why that is earth-shattering, unheard of in Jeremiah's day. Jeremiah and the Israelites were surrounded by nations filled with false gods. You know, you had the Canaanite gods all through Israel and those worshiping the, the moon god, uh, Baal. You had the sun god, Ra, down in Egypt. You had Dagon, the, the god of the Philistines, and on and on and on. The Perizzites, the Hittites, the Amorites, they all had their own false gods. The Assyrians and Babylonians all had their own false gods. And there were different gods. They, they, they were all visual. They had statues, graven images of them. Of course, they were just dead statues, but they had statues nonetheless. But all of these gods, as different and varied as they were, had one thing in common, that is they were all vengeful, wrathful gods. The purpose of them worshiping their God and sacrificing to their God was for one reason and one reason only, and that was to appease the anger of their God. That's, that was the goal. That was the end game. If we could just keep God from getting mad... They never even dreamed about a God that loved them. None of them. They didn't conceive of a God like that. A God that loved them and, and had plans for them. And, and so God says this to, to Israelites. He says, 
I have plans. I know the plans I have for you. And it may be in their sin and the difficult days of their life that they were thinking when they first heard this from the mouth of Jeremiah, they're thinking, oh no, here it comes. He's got plans. He's going he's gonna to start up the lightning bolts. He's going to send a pandemic. He's going to wipe us all out. Instead, what does God... Now, by the way, that's what they deserved. <laughs> but here's what God says instead. Instead of saying, I know my plans, and I'm going to destroy every one of you and start over because you're so wicked. You're such sinners. But God doesn't do that. What does he say? He says, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. God says, this is what I want for you. It sounds a lot like a loving parent saying to their children, even though I may discipline you, I love you. And I hope and pray that you grow up in your life and your life is, is meaningful and filled with joy and filled with hope and that you have a future. No loving parent wants to harm their child and God does not want to harm you or I either. And so he makes this beautiful promise. Verse 12, by the way, the, the most important part hadn't even come yet. Verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And here's what I think is the most powerful part. And I will what? I will listen to you. Did the God Ra listen to the Egyptians? No. Did Dagon listen to the Philistines? No, because they don't exist. The Canaanites, the Assyrians, and all the other gods, did any of them listen to their people ever? No. Many of them sacrificed their own children to their false god for nothing. Because their god never listened, their god couldn't because it didn't exist. But here God is saying, not maybe, not perhaps, he says, I will listen to you. I told you a week or two ago, don't ever underestimate the power of prayer. There's a lot of power in politics, but it pales in comparison to the power of prayer. There's a lot of power in big military, huge armies, great technology, but all of that combined pales in comparison to the power of prayer. And here God is saying, come to me. And I will listen to you. Now, there is one challenge. It's a challenge that he gives to the people in the day of Jeremiah, and it's the same challenge he gives here in the 21st century at First Baptist Church in Azel. And to those of you watching online, same challenge. Here's what he says in the last sentence. You will seek me and find me when, there's the condition, when you seek me with all your heart. God says, I want to help you. I want to prosper you. I want to give you hope. That's my plan. I've already seen the plan. I've already made the plan. I want to implement that plan. But there's one thing that you and I need to do, God says, in order for him to do this part. I will listen to you. I will respond. And I'll take care of you. But you need to do this. One thing. You need to seek me. And then he says at the end, you need to seek me with what? All your heart. Wouldn't it be amazing if God said, if you seek me half-heartedly, that's enough. <laughs> Never says that. You won't find that in the Bible. God says, and this is part of our challenge, because we have this entitlement mentality in our nation. 
But we also have a spiritual entitlement mentality. We kind of think maybe, you know, we deserve God's special blessing, whether we seek him or not. We just kind of do the minimal kind of deal. No, no. I don't know where he got that. It's not from the word of God. Because he says you need to seek him with all your heart. Listen, you do that. He will hear your prayers. He will fulfill his plan in your life and in this church. He will bless you. He will prosper you. And he will give us a future. Will you seek him right now? Oh, how thankful I am for 2020, for the year of 2020. What a blessing it was in disguise. I know a lot of bad things happened, but God was moving. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you, through your spirit right now, through the Holy Spirit, that you would lead in our hearts. Draw us to you. No matter what has happened in our life, no matter what we've done or how we've lived, no matter what mistakes that we have made, we know that you are a gracious and loving God, slow to anger and abounding in love, that it is your desire to forgive us, to redeem us through the blood of Jesus Christ, that if we'll come to you and surrender our life to Jesus, that we'll call on your name and seek you with all our heart, that you will begin to implement your plans in our life, plans to prosper us, plans that will give us hope. As families, as a church, as a nation, and as a world. There is no place too far for you. There are no foreign countries to you. You made us all and you love us all. And Christ died for us all. So may we seize that opportunity right now. Father, we lift up 2021 to you. Here at First Baptist Church, you know the ministries that we're going to be a part of. You have plans. And may you be glorified through all of them. We know that tomorrow we'll wake up, and just like that, it will be the end of December. 2021 will come to a close so quickly. Help us to seize the time, the opportunity, the moment to follow you. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you to do that today? To simply seek God with all of your heart. You don't need two dozen strategies or clever ideas. What you and I need to do is to seek God with all of our heart. God already has the plan. He's waiting on us to come to Him, to seek Him, to humble ourselves before Him. I believe that God wants to do impossible things in Angel, Texas through this very church. I believe that God wants to do impossible things in Angel, Texas through this very church in 2021, this year. And he's inviting you to be a part of that. I want to challenge you. You might want to just come and get on your knees and say, God, I will seek you right now with all my heart, with all my heart. Maybe you just want to dedicate 2021 to God. Maybe some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. And you have to surrender. You give your life to Christ, and God says, I will. I will implement my plans for you in your life. God will forgive you. 
He will redeem you. He'll change your heart. He'll give you eternal life, but he will give you a fulfilling life here. I'm not saying he's going to make you rich or he's going to give you stuff. That's the American way of thinking. But God will enrich your life in ways you've never dreamed. More importantly, he will be glorified through you if you'll surrender to him. Maybe you've already done that and you're looking for a church home. And you're looking for a place where you can follow your God and worship your God, surrender to Him, seek Him with all your heart, and you can do that here. And you want to come down and say, we'd just like to become members. If God is leading right now, this invitation is for you. Would you stand? No one's looking around. And as you stand and as you pray, right now, you come.